This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, that music can only mean one thing. Hello, I'm Martin Stark and welcome to the latest edition of the Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get together with a panel of Saints experts to discuss all things Southampton Football Club. As always, we're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and now on Twitch. So thank you for watching tonight. A massive thank you as well to our TSP patrons and a huge welcome to Matt Rose, who's joined our Mick Shannon tier last week. So we appreciate your support, Matt. Uh, remember, anybody who joins our Francis Bernali or Mick Mick Shannon tears before the end of August will get themselves an exclusive TSP t-shirt. Uh, just head to patreon.com uh, forward slash Total Saints podcast and you can find out more. Now, as mentioned last week, we're doing shout outs for anyone who leaves us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. So a huge shout out to those people who actually did that this week. We had Duncan, Daniel G, uh, John Tilbury, John Lush, uh, Matt Bushby and Henry Thomas. They all went on and left us a review. Henry said it's more enjoyable than watching Saints, uh, which is quite a low bar at the moment but we'll take it so uh, so thank you it really does help us get found on the podcast app so anyone who leaves us a review and a rating this week will also get a shout out next week it's it's here to stay uh, head to apple podcasts find the total saints podcast on there and be sure to leave us a review and a rating that's the shameless plug bit over and done with uh, coming up on this week's episode reaction to the first home game of the season against leeds united going to preview that trip to leicester at the weekend and i make it 17 days left in the transfer window so we'll have a chat about what work needs to be done. Let me introduce you to our panel for this week. Steve Grant is the owner of Saints Web. Glenda Lacour is the writer of the blog League One Minus 10. And Jacob Tanswell covers all things Southampton FC for The Athletic. Underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 203 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. So a spirited fight back 
And a strong finish rescued a point in the first home game of the new season against Leeds. Two all the final score. Let's get into it, Glenn. I'm going to start with you. What were your initial thoughts on that game yesterday? Pleased to get a point at the end of it, obviously. I think when we looked at the fixtures at the start of the season, the first five games, this is one that most people earmarked as, as the one we had to win. As, as it turns out, suddenly the Leicester and the Manchester United games aren't looking quite as daunting as they were at the start of the season. <laughs> yeah, with 20 minutes to go, obviously we're 2-0 down. We're not playing well. We don't look like we're going to score. And um, to get out of the game, with, you know, with a 2 all draw and generally being the team in the ascendancy at the end of the game is uh, was quite nice. So we, we came out of it feeling better about things than Leeds did, I'm sure, because it, it, it felt like a bit of a... Of a, a moral victory, the substitutions at the end of the game and the and the change of shape, which I'm sure we're going to get onto, that that totally changed things. And whether it was whether Leeds just got tired, because I think Leeds Leeds were snapping into all the challenges really, you know, really aggressively. And then they whether it was because they just you know we put them under a bit of pressure and they couldn't deal with it, or whether they got tired, I don't know. But we uh, we certainly took over the last twenty minutes, and it was uh, it was nice to finish a game strong instead of being the team that um, been a while, it, isn't it? Chucks it yeah. <laughs> well, I, I wonder if um, you know Jesse Marsh comes from the same um, school as Ralph, doesn't he? With you know the the Red Bull connection, so mm. I do wonder if his team are going to have the same sort of problem that, that we've had in the past, where they just. They just can't play that way for 90 minutes and they've, they've got to find a way to get over the line. But uh, but that's their problem. Um, so, yeah, happy enough to um, happy enough to get a point in the end. And, uh, you know, I think more importantly, it, it kind of raised, I think it just raised, every, the last 20 minutes raised everyone's spirit a bit and it, it should have given, it should have given Ralph a, a shot in the arm after what had been quite a tough week and, uh, well, a very tough week for him, I'm sure. Mm. And, uh yeah, mo- mostly I, I, I came away feeling a lot better about things than I did at Spurs last week. There's lots of questions, as you might imagine, already coming in about the formation and the starting lineup. Um, Steve, let's get your your thoughts on that. Was it a good result in the end? Would you have settled for a point against Leeds? Um, I think at half time it was there was kind of not an awful lot in the game. I think I mean Leeds had, had had two shots on target, but the the shots that we'd had, I felt were were decent chances, we just not hit the target with them. So kind of at half time, you're thinking, well, there's, there's kind of not an awful lot in this game. With the heat, actually, a, a point's probably not an awful result. Just get something on the board, get out of there and um, and sort of start to build. And then, obviously, we basically didn't turn up at the start of the second half. Um, I mean, that, that 15 minutes straight after half time was just abject. And you, at that point, you think, you're thinking, I mean, as soon as that, that second goal goes in, you're thinking, well, I mean, there's there's going to be questions, serious questions asked in the boardroom. I thought um, there was no way back. Honestly, I thought yeah. that's it. We're, um, we're yeah, I mean, I, I, got, I got messages from a couple of people when that second goal went in, sort of along the lines of, well, this, I mean, surely he's not going to survive this. Hmm. And then, I mean, the substitutions that he made, and I don't, don't, know, don't know if you saw, but they were basically lined, they were already ready to go before Leeds scored. Um, so a little bit unfortunate in, in that regard. In that if we if we just dealt with that corner, I mean we didn't deal with any of their corners all afternoon. Again. Basically the same thing every time. Out swinging ball into the near post, flick onto the far post, and someone's unmarked. Uh, we got away with it in the first half, but not so much um, after the break. But that that change was already about to be made even at one nil. So yeah, little I guess little bit little bit frustrating in that sense that actually we might have we might have gone on to win the game. 
if we if we were only one nil down at that point. But then I mean, it's one of those you can you can never really tell because different different events change the game, and it and no two scenarios are ever the same. But no, you know, it's a good it's a decent point from where we were with twenty minutes to go. I mean, we could if there if there were serious questions, I think in terms of the sort of so called losing the dressing room and that sort of thing. Um, I don't think that last 20 minutes happens hmm. because if a, if a set, if a group of players are quite happy for the manager to go, then they'll just coast through that last 20 minutes, take, take a two nil or even let them score another, they'll come through and score another one. And then everything happens very quickly. Whereas all of a sudden now the talk now is that, well, they've shown, they've shown character to come back from two nil down uh, in a difficult situation, tough conditions for everybody blind and hot out there and I mean it was it was hot enough for those of us who were in the shade it, yeah. <laughs> where it, and I mean at pitch side I would imagine it must have been like 40 odd it's absolutely ridiculously hot and um yeah to get to come out come out of that game with um with a point having shown a little bit of a little bit of strength in depth off the bench uh which we haven't had for a while really is no, I mean that's 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 a positive, but it's got to be we've got to kind of harness that and take that forward and take the good bits of of yesterday out of the game and toss the rubbish stuff to one side. And I mean we'll get we'll get onto the formation and, hmm. and the setup and stuff, I'm sure. But the three centre backs just patently isn't working, and that's I mean, from from Saturday. I think that's got to go. Yeah. Yeah, well, again, plenty of questions about that. So we will get on to that. Uh, Jacob, welcome back. Uh, we obviously didn't put you off with episode one. So uh, great to have you back. Let's deal with the the elephant in the room first. Obviously, you can't say too much about the rumours and, and things that were written this week about the manager. But he, he seemed a little perhaps spiky after the game yesterday. And it, it, he almost brought it up himself. Yeah, he did. I asked him the first question about, you know, is he po- ha- quite happy to see that response off the last 20 minutes to show that the players are, you know, still fighting for him and they went on the front foot nice and brave. And he straight away just referenced the uh, the article that came out, what was it, Thursday evening, uh, Friday? And I th- he kept referring to it after, after every question, essentially. So he was obviously perturbed by it. It's something that he's not too happy about because he's always preached having a close-knit, tight unit, hence why he's always wanted 18 to 20 first-team players because he wants everyone involved. And the problem is that at the moment is, you know, we haven't got that long off the window left, but there's still a lot of flux in, in the squad. Players are going to be going out, some that started yesterday, some that were in the squad, and these stories do not help anything. So Ralph just needs to get through these next two, three weeks and then... I like to think, and I think he thinks as well that things can eventually just calm down a little bit. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the most useful thing to be coming out before a key game like Leeds. And in your experience as a, a sports journalist, we're, you know, we're just fans. You're the sports journalist. These kind of stories, is it just that um, journalists like yourself that build up relationships with agents and, and players? Is is it somebody going to be tipping off um, a, a journalist somewhere and going with it? Um, because we'll say like, you know, there's no smoke without fire. But is it? to do with the transfer window, people trying to get moves away. Is, is there like more than one thing involved here? It can be, but I like to think that type of story has probably been bubbling or they've been planning that for for longer than just the transfer window. There's more reasons behind it, but it depends on uh, the, the website, stuff like that. So some sort of websites like or companies like we do, we, we get things double, triple, even quadruple source. So we're never just relying on one single source at any point. Others obviously have a different system, stuff like that. So uh, I don't know what the mails is, but 
they obviously had quite strong <laughs> beliefs about it. So not um, quite not zero. Yeah. Not checked by anybody, I would imagine. <laughs> Ralph does know that the Daily Mail is what you use when you run out of toilet paper. <laughs> I've yeah. been probably been told that, yes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it depends on the company. But, yeah, um, it's usually from you know, the likes of the agents, players, people inside the club. It can be from multiple people, really. And I wonder if the transfer window being open until September has a bit of an impact as well, because of course last year it it shut before the season started, didn't it? So so all these rumours about players leaving were were put to bed before the season kicked off. Exactly. That's why Martin Semmes is quite a, is an advocate for shutting down that window before the, the first ball's been kicked, because you know the, the likes of Warprouse. I know he's not been linked to to a big club yet, but there's always going to be that what if you know until september so if Sam's can get the house in order as early as possible to warn off the big boys from you know, the, the key players that is a really important thing and i think Southampton would, would have been happy with that as well because they would would have been well set they could have also encouraged you know the likes of likes of nathan Redman and jack stevens who are on the periphery to go and find moves sooner rather mm. than just wait and see how the you know first couple of games unfold Okay, let's get back to the game yesterday, Glenn. We always knew that the subs would be key when we saw that starting lineup, but were you surprised at the, the impact that they had? I was surprised at the impact that Adam Armstrong had because mm. he's not really had much of an impact in many games that he's played. He's obviously not a left winger by trade, but he, um, you know, he he added a sort of a, some directness and and actually, you know. W- was very keen to run forward, which was the problem we had at, at Tottenham. No one seemed to want to wanted to run forward. So he did that. Joe Aribo, I was dumbfounded that he was left out in the first place because he was one of the better players at Tottenham, um, albeit very isolated. So when he come on, you know, that immediately picked things up. The two players that went off, Stuart Armstrong didn't have his best game and Elianusi had his normal game where he did a couple of, he did a couple of nice things in the first half, but he's, he, I noticed how static he is you know, when, when we're trying to build up play, he tends to stand behind a player and he's he's unavailable to pass the ball to. So I thought he was very poor. So I'm I'm not surprised at bringing those two, you know, I mean, initially it was like for like changes, wasn't it? And it was only when Sekumara came on yeah. um, that he took Bednarek off. And that, and that kind of solved two problems because I, I'm, a big, <laughs> I'm a big advocate of the back four for the simple reason that the defenders, the two, you know, the centre-backs have to take responsibility. When there's only two of them, they have to take responsibility. Everyone's brought up playing that system, more or less. You know what you've got to do. You know you can't leave a ball and expect the third centre half to bail you out. And and I thought the performances of Bella Kochab and Salasu went up a notch as soon as Bednarek went off. Not necessarily because Bednarek wasn't there, but because they, they knew they had to take responsibility. You know, it's a bit risky because you had Musa playing in a left-back in a flat-back four. Um, so I'm still not sure you can do that from the start of a game until you've got a proper left back fit. But you were but, impressed with uh, Gineppo yesterday, I was, weren't you? Yeah, in the, in the first half, I thought he was he was our, certainly our brightest player going forward. Um, I mean, defensively, he's he's a train wreck. He's all over the place. But there, going, there was a going, moment for me where I think the ball we all thought it had gone out for a goal kick, but actually it had stayed in. I don't know whether it hit the corner flag, and and Gineppo was so desperate to get back in formation. You just everyone was screaming at him just to it's still in play, it's still in play, you've got to chase it back. But it's almost like his first thought was that I need to get back, I need to get in that formation because that's where I've been found out before. He's trying, and you you cannot blame him because he's putting in hundred percent effort to try and do, do something that he's totally not suited to doing. He's never had probably never had to do it in his career, and he is trying his best. And I like I love him for that. The fact that he is trying to 
you know, he's doing what the manager wants him to do. And it, it's unfamiliar. How many players do you see around the, the Premier League? Who, you know, they're in a different position, so they sulk. Or mm. something's not going right, so they sulk. He he tries his best. And I, I thought he had a, a really good game. And and in the second half, when we obviously, you know, we were behind, so we had more license to bomb forward. Uh, I thought he, um, you know, I, I thought he did well. And obviously, you know, Sekumara came on and, you know that's that's some pass for the second goal. Yeah, yeah. And it was just it was just a shame that his um you know his zero backlift hammer of a shot in the last minute didn't uh, didn't find mm. the top corner because that would have that would have been a moment and that would have got our comment section from the Leeds fans um, <laughs> going going was absolutely it, mad. Hi Leeds was fans. It, was it David Batty? They said you look like this week. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've had a, I've had a few, it's just like generic face I've got. My, my <laughs> favourite part when we do the uh, the preview of the next game, the away fans all pile on and they find some ex player that Glenn vaguely resembles. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to that this week. Um, Steve Walsh into... this week. <laughs> let's get into the formation. Stuart says, <clears> with the next three league games coming up and what those teams have done to us over the past three seasons, can Ralph afford to persist with the formation? I was just, I'll be honest, I was scratching my head yesterday when I noticed that we were going to persevere with that. And even more so after 70 minutes, Steve, when this is the formation that's supposed to make us a bit more secure at the back. And then before you know it, that's that's six goals this season we've conceded already. So were you surprised with the, the three or the, the five as it is and and are we done with that now we've got to go back to the four two 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 um I wasn't surprised uh because ultimately we've been training that all pre-season and there's been very little deviation from it there was obviously a very sort of defined idea behind it the idea being that if you put more and more defenders in there then hopefully that creates less space for the opposition to um, kind of have the freedom of our penalty area to score goals against us. Clearly, it's not worked that way. I mean, you only have to look at their Leeds' first goal, what, 20, 30 seconds into the second half, where having had two or three attempts to clear it, the ball ends up with Harrison on the left wing. And even though we've got five defenders, he's somehow got 15 yards of space in which to put the cross in. Our problem isn't really the number of defenders that we've got in the middle of in the middle of the team. The problem is that we're, we're allowing the ball to come into our box all the time. One of the key things with that great team that we had for three or four years under a combination of Pochettino, Kuman, and I mean, arguably the first half of Claude Puel's season as well, was that you had, we basically barely let the ball go into our box ever. Um, it was so rare that we would let um, let the other team have sort of unopposed crosses into the box. The only time they'd ever get away with it is if they were launching it in from deep, from like the halfway line. So you've then got loads of time in, while the ball's in the air to adjust and get yourself in position. If you're letting the ball come come in from sort of anywhere sort of in in line with the 18-yard box and sort of closer to the goal line, you've got no time to to adjust. And those that's where the quality of Premier League players comes to the fore because that quality of delivery is a class above and you've got to just stop it at source and that's what we've not been doing and you could see that like even Carl Walker Peters was inside the penalty area when that cross came in it's like you're you're the wing back you're supposed mm. to be the one that's the widest um and then you might even get help from the um from one of your midfielders but we didn't have that Adams was chasing back desperately because he'd shanked the ball um to Harrison in the first place and Walker Peters was um, was too far, um, too far infield, which then meant that the um, the three centre backs were too far infield as well, and mm. we were just completely at six and sevens. You've got Salasu um, wasn't tight enough to Rodrigo in the first place, and then as well as letting him letting him drift away from him, 
um, Bednarek lets him uh, lets him run across the front of him, and he's got more or less a tap in from from there. I mean, I saw a couple of people saying, "Oh, Bazuna will be disappointed to be beating his near post." It's like no. the guys hit it hard from six yards out. Yeah, you got yeah. no chance. Yeah, um, the, only, like, the only way like the only way he saves it is if it hits yeah. him. Every every goal that Bazunu let in was you know like an unmarked player six yards out. Yeah, and uh, I mean the other thing about this this goes to the, the back three thing as well because when if you look at the movement that Rodrigo made, it's a good run. He moves away from Salisu and he darts in front of Bednarek. But the the way that's supposed to work is there's supposed to be some communication there, where Salisu obviously tells Bednarek that he's your man he's coming. Now. Yeah, and it, Bednarek had his back to him. You know, the old thing of looking at the number, you know, Rodrigo could see Bednarek's number. Bednarek had no idea where he was. So he just darted in front of him. And and that's that's the that's the problem with the with the three at the back, the way the way we play it, I think, is the, the lack of communication. So and we're going to make st- mistakes, you know, we're going to make mistakes, whether we have two at the back or three at the back. So we might as well have an extra forward on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> an extra body that can make up yeah. for it at the other yeah. end. That's yeah, I, th- I think kind of the second part of your question in terms of whether whether we're going to ditch that. I, I don't see I don't see he's got any choice now. Hmm. You've seen the chalk and cheese differences. I mean, yeah, sure, we were. When we, I mean, I would actually argue that the the formation in that last twenty minutes wasn't really the four two two two. It was just out and out four two four. It was like the late eighties again, where we had the the Wallace brothers ride out and and it was um, every striker available. And Letizia, was on yeah, the pitch, was, wasn't he? Like, <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's not sustainable for as a starting formation. You'll get torn to pieces because there's no control in the midfield and you need you need a solid base so yeah I mean the way we ended the game there's no way we're starting any game ever uh, playing that way but it showed what we can do uh, when when we need to when we need mm. to kind of crank it up a little bit especially against a side I mean Leeds Leeds defensively are not, are not going to be good they had a terrible defensive record last year signed a couple of players this season but they're not bedded in yet they're still going to struggle um, defensively so yeah, we showed that they can be got at. Um, even in the first half, when we when we were a little bit sluggish at times, we still kind of carved them open a couple of times. It just didn't quite fall for us. So yeah, it, it wasn't as if that first seventy minutes was absolutely diabolical. It was probably just that first fifteen to twenty in the second half. But yeah, I think realistically we're gonna we're gonna be working all week on a on a back four and some sort of combination in front of that that. Um, that hopefully gives us a little bit of control because Leicester quite like uh, chaos football, don't they? Uh, particularly through the cent- through the centre of the park. If you just need some of them to stay on James Madison, really. Yeah, um, yeah. Arsenal tore them the pieces uh, yesterday. Well, Venom F1X says the four two 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 is in our blood, um, which I think is fair. And FPL SWAT says would be interesting to see if Ralph is bullish enough uh, to stick with the five. Jacob, we got your thoughts on this kind of preseason. You've seen it up close and in personal now a couple of games what are your thoughts on the the new formation are we over analyzing this too much as fans or uh is it, is it not working for you either no definitely not i think the crux of the matter is is that ralph doesn't trust his defenders to defend 1v1 anymore i think he just like i say end of his tether with it in terms of jan benrick up against the striker uh Salif's up against the striker i just feel he needs that he always feels he needs that extra defensive reassurance like he did when he first came in uh just to go on to the crosses i think they conceded 22 crosses at white at or whatever the stadium's called now, mm. uh, they're very vulnerable to cross, especially on transition because the two wing backs go very, very high. They foot, they're basically yeah. on the, the back line of the opposition defence. So it's essentially, it's essentially a five, five across the front line, and that leaves half of your outfield players in front of the ball. So if you do lose it, 
those defensive channels, either side of Bella Kotchap or Salisu, or whoever plays on the outside centre-backs, is there to attack. And that's where you always see the crosses coming from. Uh, so they're very, very vulnerable. I think it's been, what, four crosses that have resulted mm. in goals so far? So yep. that's something that needs to be fixed. Um, whether you can hold back one of the, the wing-backs, but then you take away from, of course, one of the, the players more advanced. Mm. Whether he changes, I'm not too sure, because he hasn't yet got that experienced centre-back that he, he needs and he wants. Uh, so I think he might stick with it. I'm, I keep going back to it. I'm shocked he didn't play with back four at any point in preseason. Just a little bit of variety, just to train those, you know, muscle memory again. Because mm. when he went back to it, the pressing was much better. But he knows he's taking a risk with it. And I don't feel he trusts the system or his defence enough to play 90 minutes 1v1 at the back, especially if it's Jan Bednarik. So uh, I, I'm not sure if he will. I think he'll stay with 3-5-2. Do you think we, we still might see that again? At, I at do. Leicester? I do. I think he might play two tens like he did yesterday, whether it's Drew Armstrong or and with Joe Aribo. But the back three looks, I think it looks here to stay until he gets an experienced defender. And I know that mm. um, you've written a piece about this, I think, uh, for tonight or for tomorrow, but yeah. the, the conversations that Ralph's now having with his new coaching staff, and yeah. we touched on this a little bit last week, That's it's it's evident now, isn't it? You can see that there's there's more people having input into mm. the, the, the changes. He's, he's not on his own in that technical area anymore. No, I think that's definitely needed because, you know, I think it's been Ralph's way of the highway, hasn't it, at some point uh, in the last couple of seasons where you see Alex Clappen, the first team coach, he's now taking charge of set pieces. He comes out uh, sometime for attacking defenders at pieces. Carl Martin has been promoted from the under-18s. He sits next to the analysts, which I find really interesting. And he's now in charge of spotting spaces, feeding the back to the bench in terms of where Slamson can exploit the other team in possession. And Ruben Sellers, every time there's a drinks break or injury, he comes out and he has individual chats with players. And I'm not sure that would have always happened. And there was a point in the second half after they went 2-0 down where Sellers actually came out with Ralph and he started he gave him a few words. That was just before the drinks break. So Sellers has clearly got some autonomy now to have a word with Ralph. Mm. And I think that's you know, that's really key because you know the drinks break, there was four of them all talking and that was when they decided to go back to the 4-2-2-2 and see Kumara came on and look what happened. So mm. it's much better and it takes the load off Ralph as well because you know, there's been so often where, where I felt you know, they're losing one or two nil and the rest of the first team coaching staff do not talk to him at any point. I just feel really what's what's there. They're almost there. too nervous to, yeah, exactly. to, to interrupt I, his thoughts. I don't think they felt they were qualified or they didn't have the, the, the power or the character to, to do so. So I think Celis, with his experience, and he's really highly rated, I think the players really like him. He's he's really good. At, I know he hasn't shown so far, but he drills the defence really well and apparently he's really good at doing the basics. So I think he's got responsibility and he's now got that reputation now where he can go to Ralph without, you know, uh, without fearing what's to you know, come back at him. Yeah, getting his head torn off. Um, Glenn, <laughs> There's a, there's two ways of looking at this. Yesterday, I was with 70 minutes on the clock. I was like, right, I'm done. You know, if he gets if he gets sacked tonight, I don't care. I, mm. He's had his chance now. I'm just fed up with this. And the, the the it was audible when he was at you know 70 minutes was on the clock, and we were still playing with three centre backs. And um, he made that change, as you say, didn't change the formation and the the crowd singing. You don't know what you're doing. You're getting sacked in the morning and stuff. And I was all like, right. I'm done. For me, that last 20 minutes proved that there is enough talent in that squad and they they can produce good football. They're just not set up properly. And for me, that comes back to him. Am I wrong? Is Was it brave of him to change the game and bring those those subs on? And should he get more credit for that? Uh, am I looking at it the wrong way? Because he, he had to change it because we didn't look like scoring. And, and that's the that's the problem with it. Whenever we played this formation, be it this season or last, we haven't played well ever 
with it. We won the game against Arsenal at the tail end last season playing that way, but we were largely dreadful. Yeah, you know, we scored a goal and then Fraser forced to save everything. That was it. Shane Long charging down that shot at the end. The yeah, yeah, kid, but but we've never played well in in this formation and. Uh, it was obviously something he wanted to, you know, he talks about automatisms and all this sort of stuff. And that was obviously what he wanted to do in preseason is to, is to get people doing these things. But for, for me, he's got over-obsessed with defensive solidity. And with Southampton, we're never going to have that. He had to do something. And it, it was, I guess it was brave to change it, but he didn't have a lot of choice. I mean, probably the pressure he was under as a result of the um, Daily Bloody Mail, um, it, it probably... Maybe that maybe that fed into it. He thought, well, I might, you know, I might, I might as well go for it. And um, but you know, we 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 keep coming back to the sort of bravery point. You know, and I've said before, it's a bit of a cringe when we used it regarding the um, the, the kit. kit launch and all that stuff. <laughs> but you've got a, you've got Bella Kochap and Salasu. They're twenty, twenty one, twenty two, whatever they are. You've got to trust these guys. You you can see or you can see already they're our best two central defenders. So. You know, trust them. That that's what you got to do. I do understand the issues with the back four, and that we haven't got a left back mm. at the moment. And I don't know where Perot was yesterday because he wasn't even on the bench. Which is maybe Jacob knows anything about that, but it it was, seemed a bit worrying that he was on the bench last week and he wasn't even on there today. Uh, sorry, yesterday, and you would you would have expected him to be there. He doesn't seem to want to use Jan Valery as a fullback, which. Again, that surprised me in the last couple of minutes that it was um, Jack Stevens that got brought on when I thought they put a ball, Valerie and swap Walker-Peters over. Doesn't seem to want to do that. So it's difficult to go to a flat-back four if you've if you've only got Moussa as your, mm. your left-back. He could have done nothing. You know, he, he, you know in, in the past, I've thought Ralph is so stubborn, he kind of just expects what he's doing to work at some point and I'll give it another 20 minutes and I'll give it another 20 minutes and and then, then we've lost. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> talk about no, lessons you, learned. It, you know, you, you roll the dice when you're, when you're a football manager and it, and it works or it doesn't. And it, if it works, you get praised. If it doesn't, or you don't do anything, you get slaughtered for it. So I think you've got to give him praise for, for getting, getting it right this time. And the, the players he, he put on all made a difference. Um, some of the selections he made at the start made a huge, I thought Che Adams had a great game. He, mm. he didn't cover himself in glory with one. Not a lot of service was there, but no. But he battled constantly. Mm. And if you look at all, you, you look at the two goals and the chance that Sekumara had at the end. Che Adams is involved in every single one, either holding the ball up and played the one-two with Armstrong for the for the that led to the first goal. So so that was a good selection. I thought Bella Kochap was was largely you know pretty good. It was a lot better from Ralph's point of view yesterday, but we can't play this three at the back system and expect to score many goals because we just don't I think we need more pace further up the pitch if we're going to play that way because we're sort of playing a lot deeper than than we normally do I mean there was the incident the first half where Stuart Armstrong was wiped out by Lorente and everyone and then it got they got VAR review didn't it yes I think and I think it's one of those ones where if the referee had given the free kick and sent him off, I don't think it would have got over. They would have backed up. I was going to ask, it's, it's, it's dogs though, isn't it? This is the denying of a goal scoring opportunity. I was going to ask you about this. This was, it was 15 minutes, wasn't it? And yeah, it was pretty uh, early. It was pretty early on in the game. You think, well, you know, that, that could be the break that we need. Um, I mean, in, in real time, I thought it was a great tackle from hmm. where I was stood because um, it looked like the ball changed direction. It looked like he'd, he'd just stretched and got there because, I mean, let's be honest, we know that, um, that Stuart Armstrong 
um, Stuart Armstrong isn't the fastest. I mean, he's got a he's got a yard of pace, but he's not sort of over a distance. I don't think he's winning any sprint um, no. sprint challenges. Just the last one on the yesterday, Steve. Was that for you? Was that like a get out of jail card? Um, if we lose that game two one, then it's a very different discussion that we're having tonight, and very different messages. Um, the last guitar hero was watching on YouTube. He says, uh, "Looking forward to a new manager." And then we equalised. It kind of felt like that, didn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. It's it's one of those where, I mean, your mood is always is always sort of predominantly swayed by the out by the end outcome isn't it but I think I think if we'd shown what we showed in the last 20 minutes but we only had one goal to show for it I kind of think we'd probably still be having the same discussion now I think it would be the same tone because you can you could have seen what what was what we were trying to do and what what was going on and, and what what the players were were kind of putting into it even if they didn't get the reward from it because ultimately the situation would have been that they just left themselves too much to do in that short space of time. I think if we'd collapsed to a fairly dismal two nil or, or or worse result, then yeah, I mean the conversation would be would be very different. But it's not. So here Jacob, we are. finish us off on a positive. Just um, some comments on the uh, some of the new starters making their home debuts yesterday. In particular, I thought Lavia was was pretty good, and obviously Aribo when he came on. Yeah, I think I really really just enjoy watching Lavia as a footballer. I think he's fantastic. And what I really was impressed with, we saw a different side of him yesterday because against Spurs, I was really impressed with the way he resisted pressure, he turned out, switched play. Everything in possession was really good. And then you get to the Leeds game in that first half, which was just full of turnovers, ping pong, not really, Santa really couldn't really get any control, sustained possession. And I think he made six passes, which was only Cheyenne was made less or something like that eight pass or something. So he didn't really have a lot of the ball, but yet he made the most interceptions. And I just found he really battled in there because it's, it's tough against Leeds. They're energetic. They haven't got time on the ball. They play a very similar narrow style uh, that Southampton used to play. Uh, so for an 18-year-old, you know, his second Premier League appearance, he wasn't perturbed. He was just, he kept his calm. And as the game wore on, I think I've, I watched the game back, the last 15 minutes especially, he was intercepting and winning so many balls, switching the play out to Gineppo, to Walker-Peters, who were the, you know, the three men. I thought he's really good. And Joe Reba as well. He can play anywhere across the front four. He presses well. And he's, he looks like he's a good finisher as well. And that's something mm. that I was quite surprised he didn't play from the start. But I think the five subs, which Ralph has been an advocate for, you know, turn out well. Because as Marsh hesitated and dithered, uh, Ralph got the subs on, got a Reba on. And if it is Celeste with the notepad and pen, uh, he, they both deserve some credit. So, yeah, really impressed by them. And Bella Kotchov, I think he loves no underlap, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he does <laughs> two or three 50-yard sprints as well, just mm. getting forward. And that's one of the more positive aspects of the back three. I'm not sure he could do that just here in Celeste no. at the back. But, yeah, I, I'm really impressed. They look fearless. I thought Bazuna as well. Good save from Bamford and that first. Oh, Daniel James, sorry, from the first half. And... It's been six goals, and it's not really one where you could point say it's his fault. So if he can just come through this, he can keep his confidence intact, then it should serve him better in the long run. There was um, a lot of nonsense on Twitter yesterday, and uh, after the game, I was like, right, fully Ralph out, putting it out there, I'm I'm absolutely done, <laughs> and had all sorts of interesting conversations with people. The the tweet that annoyed me the most yesterday was actually yours, Jacob, about um, <laughs> Lavia and when he was born. Um, was it January 2004 <laughs> yes. and uh, was it Hey Yeah by Outcast was top of the charts I remember playing that on the radio and that just made me feel so old yesterday when I read that I thought right I'm done with Twitter for the night I'm done um, hey, we, can I, I think, mention, I think can we I... were like fifth in the table at that uh, January 2004 <laughs> weren't we go on Glenn 
No, it's funny you mentioned being, you know, DJ. The um, the DJ at St Mary's. Did he deliberately mean to play American Idiot at, <laughs> uh, at halftime because of the opposition manager? That that was an interesting one. The, and, full, um, the full time give it away, give it away, give it away. Give it away yeah, now, wasn't it on the yeah. um, you know for it's... a team that's just throwing away a two 0 lead? Um, yeah. Well, we all, we all know that they're a bit uh, a bit fond of their um, pointed choices. So uh, yeah, I thought American Idiot was a nice touch, especially when he was um, said he was doing the he went full clop. Um, fist pump down the line when they won a corner, which I thought was absolutely bizarre behaviour, but there you go. Let's get on to the uh, Leicester game. So uh, welcome to all the Leicester fans that are going to be piling in and watching this on <laughs> YouTube. Um, last season, uh, we lost 4-1, but to be fair, Glenn, we checked out months before, haven't we? That was just like the game that none of us really wanted. The players didn't want it. We didn't want to watch it. We didn't want to talk nah. about it afterwards. So I don't know if we can take too much from that, but it's going to be a different game this time round. Uh, well, let's hope so. Leicester have not started well. They seem to be in some sort of financial predicament. They've not signed a single player, I don't think. Lost their goalkeeper, who's been there for 10 years or so. And the replacement doesn't look very good. So, that, you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll swoop it. Maybe they're one of them, the myriad of clubs looking to sign Alex McCarthy from us. But uh, yeah, there does seem to be some issues going on there. And you talk about the transfer window and um, disrupting some teams. I mean, I, I think I read today they've had a bid accepted for, for Fana or he's agreed personal terms or something like that. So he may not even be playing against us. Madison's been linked away. Tielemans has been linked away. You know, they've still got Jamie Vardy, who's now 35, I think. Um, so they do seem to be in a in a spot of bother, and it, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy than Brendan Rodgers, so, <laughs> who I'm still angry with over Ricky Lambert from all those years ago. So um, I can hold a grudge for a long, long time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it'd be interesting to see what, what, what Leicester turns up. As, as Steve mentioned earlier, they got, they got ripped apart by Arsenal, who are, of course, a very good side this year. Um, or they look it certainly at the start of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how how Leicester go. It, it's it's I know we've had some decent results up there in the past, but the last the last couple of games that we played against them, I've just thought they looked kind of too good for us, really. But um, they're not going to have the confidence that they normally go into a game with against us. So I hope. I personally hope that we do, we do bin off the three at the back and and we go for it. Maybe not with the kamikaze way that we went with the last 20 minutes yesterday but you know I do hope we try and get on the front foot because I don't think it's a game that we're going to win by trying to contain them because we're you know I'm not saying it's going to be like a basketball game and it's going to end up 7-6 to someone but it it needs I, I do feel we need to get on the front foot to have a best chance of getting anything out of that game so um so yeah I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it a lot more now than you know having seen them get beat again yesterday and us finish the game strongly it's one that I'm actually looking forward to now and thinking we might actually get something out of it and Steve it's a good fixture against a team who are under pressure for a win aren't they yeah I mean there's there's a lot of seem seemingly a lot of discontent in their in their both in their fan base and in possibly even in the squad given that I mean, they they kind of underachieved a little bit last year, albeit with distraction of uh, European football, where they got they get to the, I think they got to the semi-finals of the Conference League, didn't they? In the end, mm. so obviously played a lot of football. Seemingly had about fifteen players out injured at any one time, which doesn't seem to be letting up at all. Um, despite having had a full summer to try and recharge batteries and everything, um, they still seem to be um, uh, dropping like flies 
up there. So yeah, it's they're a they're a funny team that on their day can can tear tear the best um, to pieces. But I mean, they're they're kind of a they're kind of a better version of us, I think, a more stable version of us. In that, as I say, on their day they can they can compete and beat anybody. But at their worst, they are an absolute train wreck. And it's it's basically down to us to try and force the force the latter part. I mean, personally, I'd I would want us to be paying particular attention to Madison because he always seems to have a good game against us. If you stop stop the supply of ball into his feet, all of a sudden their options are very very limited. So I think if you're able to get someone in in around him, sort of almost, I mean, not even necessarily just man mark, but kind of shadowing the area kind of in front of him so the ball just doesn't reach him um in the first place then yeah all of a sudden then when we win it back we're able to spring spring on the counter attack and we've got all of a sudden we look like we've actually got some good options in in certain areas hmm. and jacob do you think it helped that we're away away from st mary's maybe pressure off a little bit because yesterday you just felt like you know that stray pass or um when that, that second goal went in then that it definitely turned so so maybe this could be a, a good fixture or one of the better ones we could ask for away against a team that need a point Possibly, but I like to think that Leicester's problems are also Saints inflicted too, because Martin Glover's not allowed to work until September 1st. And the issue is, is one of the reasons why they haven't signed anyone is because they've got too big a squad, because the likes of Ryan Bertrand and Yannick Vestergaard, they, they, can't, they can't shift on. <laughs> so really, Southampton you know, are the root of their problems. So that could be a that could be a positive <laughs> taken into the game, but as well as the uh, being as well as being away from home as well. But I think the Saints fans, on, on the whole, I know there was a few boos and stuff like that. I think, in the, especially in the first half, I thought I thought they stayed with the team because I've been in different stadiums and stuff like that where it's become a really fractious quite early on. And it's only after the second goal where I thought, okay, this is this mm. is bad. So, yeah, yeah takes away from hasn't been too good recently, but let's just hope it changes uh, on Saturday. Let's do some predictions then. So um, our little predictions league that we do, three points for the correct score, one point for the correct result. Ben... Glenn, Alex, Steve, and myself all came away with a point after the weekend. Uh, Alfie House, who was with us last week um, from the Echo, correctly predicted the two-all draw. So he automatically storms into the lead at the moment with four points. Alfie's going with a two-all draw again. We checked in with him earlier. Um, Big Boss Ben reckons we're going to lose 2-1. I just, I don't think we can get much out of this. I'm going for a, a 2-0 defeat. I think we'll get caught chasing the game. I'm going to come to you first, Steve. Um, your thoughts on the... Um, goals, I th- goals. I think um, defensively they're they're poor. I mean, we've we've all seen what we, what we're what we can uh, offer up defensively as well. So yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be an entertaining one. Um, it's just a that case of <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I mean, ultimately, I'll take I'd take a nil nil, but I I just don't see it happening. Probably I don't know three two Leicester. Three two, right? Uh, Glenn, score prediction from you, please, sir. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a madness and predict Saints to win two one. Two one, all right. Yeah, I think, uh, think we got a bit of momentum going into the game after that, that twenty minutes, and they'll be keen to keep that going. So, yeah, uh, I think definitely. we're playing them, at, playing them at a good time. I might be talking complete and out of cobblers, and we'll get hammered. <laughs> but um, you know, and Jacob, um, we, you agree, we're taking the momentum into the game on the front I- foot here. I do, and it's funny because that's the first thing Alfie said to me after the game. He got the prediction right. I think he, he, could, he honestly he was absolutely buzzing about it. Um, I was going to say 2-1, but I don't want to copy Glenn, so I'm going to go 3-2 Southampton. 3-2 Southampton, right, okay. Uh, so big important one as well because uh, next three games obviously got Manchester United at home, then Chelsea at home, and then uh, Wolves away, so uh, we'll see. Six point at Man United. Well, yeah, definitely. Biggest cheer in O'Neill's pub yesterday, that was... Um, <laughs> 
actually just want to got a couple of minutes before we finish just want to talk about some of the the transfer business this week saw the greatest announcement i thought of a signing burn i don't know if you saw burnley's unveiling nathan teller with yes. the uh, spoof of bruce forsyth's generation game which was brilliant um jacob a few more gonna be going out do you think on loan you talked about the size of the squad and, and ralph looking to to trim things down is there there's obviously more work to be done there we're we gonna is it gonna be a quiet week and everything's gonna happen before the window closes? I think we're just waiting for that day where just everything seems to happen because there's so many players that, you know, the futures are uncertain. And even if they're playing, I think Slams are quite open to them leaving. I did a piece earlier last week and I'm not saying all nine who I mentioned will be gone. It's just nine are, you know, potentially more as well that Slams are open to selling. So it could be busy in terms of player departures, but I think Slams are going to try their hardest to get that experienced centre-back in and as well as obviously that striker as well because the striker is so, so important. We've said it for you know three, four weeks now. Every game just seems to become more, even more glaring, doesn't it? So Slams will keep being active and it's going to be a really busy time. I like to hope and I, th- I think so too. Were you surprised, Glenn, to see Nathan Teller go out? And I wanted to ask maybe like the pair of you, I can't, I don't know. And I was trying to think this week when they say, oh, they're going out and he's going to Burnley, he's going to get some decent experience and he's going to come back. The same with Will Smallbone. I was trying to think of a player that their age that's gone out, done a season on loan, come back into the first team and made a difference. It normally, end, it normally ends up being loan, then another loan next year, and then they leave because they've got a year left yeah. or their contract expires. To me, it's like it, it doesn't happen like that. And every time you hear it, you think, "Oh yeah, come back and it'd be better." And I, just, I was struggling to think of a good example. If they're good enough, they'd be playing now. I think their age is very significant. Um, when Dino Simeu went out last year, he was only nineteen or something, and he went out to Carlisle, was it? And uh, mm. you know, and he largely did very well. Will Smallbone has been held back recently by his injuries, obviously, and because of him being the sort of player that that he is, it would be good very good for him to have a season in the championship to you know to toughen him up and see whether he's suitable i mean i i actually think he's he's got something to offer um so he may may come back nathan teller i'm really not sure about because for me it it, it always seems to be one step forward two steps back for him he'll he reminds me a little bit of michael Oberfemi and that he'll have one good game and then he'll be rubbish and he'll get substituted at half time and all this sort of stuff so he's gone to burnley who now are very good club to go to because of the manager they've got now and the way they're going to try and play football. So it it should suit him. I'm I'm a little bit skeptical about him. He's he's 23. That's what that's what I keep reminding myself he's 23. It mm. it constantly annoys me that the the Saints media team refer to him as star boy. He's 20 bloody 3. Star it's not man. Like he, it's not like he's 18. He's 23. You know, by the time by the time he was twenty three, James Ward Prowse had played two hundred games or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. and I don't think it does him any favors. And and so he's, he's you know he's gone to Burnley now. It'd be out of his comfort zone, and it's sink or swim time for him. Mm-hmm. If he if he tears it up in the championship, then you know why not? We're we're not great in the wide positions. That's why we've got so many of them because none of them have really cemented that pl- that place down. So he may come back and. Um, you know, haven't had a great season there, or or he may, or it may be apparent that that's that's the best level he's going to get to. But it's a it's a big season for him, and it's it's a brilliant opportunity. I hope he grasps it. And Steve, do you think we'll see these these guys back and, and making a difference in our team, or do you think that's that there's only one way once this happens? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the in the same viewpoint as Glenn, really. That yeah, for the most part, 
generally when we when we end up loaning players out it's i mean if they're really young then then fine okay it's a it's an experience building thing you get to play first team football um come back and then we'll we'll reevaluate but i think someone like teller who's been in and around the first team for what three years now at least has been given quite a lot of opportunities not so much last season there was that weird sort of two or three month period where he just vanished vanished from off the face of the earth um, without anybody really saying anything, didn't didn't sound like he was injured or anything, um, but just wasn't in favour. And yeah, I mean, hasn't really sort of made a compelling case for him to um, to get any more opportunities, really, which is a shame because I mean that lock that period in lockdown where he kind of broke uh, broke through in that project restart period, that was the kind of time where he kind of exploded on onto the scene. You thought, oh wow, we've got we've got one here, and unfortunately, it's just not quite. Not quite panned out that way. Alfie's watching, by the way, on YouTube, Jacob. Um, and he says, you mustn't believe a word that he says. <laughs> I think his, his version of events in the press box yesterday uh, may differ slightly from yours. <laughs> ask, ask the witnesses of our, they'll beg to differ, Alfie. <laughs> well, he'll be back with us next week. That's pretty much it for this week. Don't forget, you can follow the Total Saints podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Have a look for at Total Saints pod. Our website is totalsaints.co.uk. That includes a link to our online shop where we've got all the total saints icon things uh, if you want to get in touch uh, during the week we'd love to hear from you and um, we've had loads of comments tonight apologies if we didn't get to yours you can always get in touch during the week you can drop us an email via the website or you can get in touch via social media and of course we're also on patreon where should you wish you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution lots of different tiers on there thank you to those in our Francis Benali tier and our Mick Shannon tier. So Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Matt Hall, Nick Reed in the Francis Benali tier. We've got Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook and Matt Rose in the Mick Shannon tier. Thank you to Steve. Thank you to Glenn. Thank you to Jacob. We've got through a lot tonight. It's been warm, but it's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.